0: Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Purdue
1: Blockchain Lab and CastBox. Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all of our listeners.
0: I'm Coach Colbertson, and with me is Kimberly Colbertson. And today we're talking with Mark Boyron. Mark, why don't you say a few words about yourself?
2: Sure, it's nice to be here. So I appreciate that. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm an attorney at Ubertan and Tucker in Orange County, California, and I uh, got interested in uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies in uh, 2016. Started doing some work in, in 2017, and it's been a snowball since then. Can you
1: share a story around your journey with blockchain?
2: Uh, sure. I think I think the funniest part for me about blockchain is that. Uh, anytime I used to go meet folks, you know, at a conference or some meetup or something like that, I was used to be the least popular person in the room, <laughs> and blockchain just magically turned me into one of the most popular people in the room. Nice. So <laughs> I'm hoping that lasts a while, but it's just not clear. <laughs> so
1: you're a bit of a celebrity now.
0: Is everyone like, oh, it's wrong?
2: I feel oh, that, way. I feel that way. I'm just not sure that's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you what, blockchain—I'm still wrapping my head around it a little bit, and so I'm always interested in having someone else explain it to me with a little bit of a different perspective.
0: Yeah. So, Mark, what's your thoughts right now on on the really hot topic of crypto regulation? A lot of banter has been going on and around and about it. Uh, you know, what's your take on the whole thing?
2: Uh, like, I think I think it's something that people should have expected. If you go back to um, you know, when the SEC started uh actually taking kind of notice of things with the Dow report, what you what you kind of started seeing was okay, well the SEC actually cares about this. And then just Slowly, things started progressing faster and faster for the SEC, and you started seeing the, uh, the SEC getting more and more active in the space and and you know after the munchy cease and desist order in november uh, i think I think it was kind of one of those moments where everybody should have seen that it was just a matter of time until the SEC started making phone calls to companies doing ICOs um, and that you would kind of start seeing some of those subpoenas coming out so you know, I don't think much of that's a surprise. One of the interesting things is, is the way in which the market just kind of morphs when that happens. Mm-hmm. So You, you cool. might have, you know, capital that's very dry in the U.S. And, you know, nobody's doing much here. But, but you see kind of two things happening. One is you see a shift, you know, internationally. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's always been a, you know, big crypto focus internationally. It's bigger, you know, over there than it is over here. But right um, what, what you did see is that, is that companies simply say, okay, fine, U.S. market, you're not available to me. Well, then I'm going to go outside the U.S. and continue to, you know, build my company. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, that's the U.S. kind of losing out on things. Um, you know, and then the other part that you've seen is also was expected, which is the, the other kind of portion of the population that says, OK, well, then let's just make these security tokens and let's start focusing on that area. And, and so you've seen a huge kind of boom with, with security tokens, uh, you know, that I think in the next kind of couple months, you're, you're going to start seeing a lot of those uh, actually being d- uh, delivered to, to folks.
0: So on the topic of ICOs, because that's another super hot topic. Uh, so with ICOs, do you, need to be in, uh, do you need to have a money transmitter license when you're doing trade and sale tokens in your platform?
2: Yeah, so you know it is one of the more interesting issues. Um, you know, it was it was one of the kind of since then uh, the Financial Enforcement Crimes Network, uh, which enforces the the Bank Secrecy Act, which governs essentially financial institutions, is is actually one of the first regulators that that really took any action with respect to cryptocurrencies uh, back hmm. in 2012, and and really since then. They've actually given more guidance than any other agency. But one of the key kind of questions that everybody's had is, okay, well, you know, so, so clearly if you're an exchange, you know, you're going to need money transmitter licenses. Um, the question then is, well, what about just a company doing an ICO? Does it need to be a money transmitter? And, and you really kind of have three categories that, that Sensen has kind of laid out in their uh, administrative rulings. And you've got you've got what they refer to as uh, as users exchangers and administrators and and users are, are something that we really don't have to be concerned with and they don't kind of invoke money transmitter issues but then you've got exchangers which is kind of pretty much what you think which is kind of the conversion you basically accept a virtual currency or fiat currency and then you transmit a virtual currency or fiat currency and if you think about that um, it, it kind of sounds like every single ICO which is pretty much taking in a virtual currency or fiat currency and then putting another one uh, into, into that same person's hands. So, so FinCEN actually had a recent letter that, that you know, was sent to uh, another legislature that, that basically said, you know, we think that generally speaking, companies doing ICOs are money transmitters. So that's, that's mm-hmm. FinCEN's view, and, and they they're didn't specifically specify it, but their view is essentially you're acting as an exchanger. Um, I think one of the more interesting issues is actually whether you're considered to be an administrator. So, an you know, administrator is one who puts a virtual currency into circulation and then has the authority to redeem them from circulation. Hmm. So, I always think it's very important when you're analyzing money transmitter laws to kind of look at the flow of, of tokens through the platform you know, and potentially because you're going to be acting as an exchanger, but also a lot of times what you see is is companies that are, you know, going to be buying back tokens at one point or another um, to kind of help make their economy work. Um, Or you'll hear about, you know, companies burning tokens that are already, you know, in in the system. Um, You know, all of those things, you know, burning, you know, is it clear that that's considered a withdrawal? Eh, Nobody knows for sure. But bottom line is, Um, You know, a lot of times I think companies are are running afoul of of these regulations and not realizing it.
1: Now, as you are working with cryptocurrency, is the accredited investor the only safe path to raise money from? Or can it be anyone who's willing to buy the tokens on the pre-token sale?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think we, we need to kind of distinguish, of course, between security tokens and utility tokens, right? If you've got a utility token, security laws aren't involved. Now, again... As, as we covered, you know, the SEC really doesn't think that exists. So, so let's work within the SEC's paradigm, um, which is that you are going to be selling the security token. If that's the case, then, then you know, for, for crowd sales, you really have three kind of useful, uh, in, in one way or another, um, uh, regulations to work with. So the first one is, is going to be your CF. You don't hear many people talking about it, and the reason is because you need to actually sell the securities on a, a regulated platform. Um, you can only raise up to a million, $1.07 million. And so the answer is, unless that is such a seed round to fund the rest of your idea, it's, it's pretty useless. <laughs> so you don't see those getting used too much. The two more useful options are Reg D and Reg A. Okay. okay. So Reg A is useful in that it allows companies to raise up to $50 million. And there's actually been a bill that was uh, approved by the House uh, to raise that limit to $75 million. So we'll see if that happens. Um, and the nice thing about Reg Plus is you can sell to accredited as well as unaccredited investors. And then you actually have a token that can be traded immediately after. Now, the downside is you need to file uh, a Form 1A with the SEC. And, you know, it gets reviewed. And essentially, it's like a, a public filing. Um, and it's a time-consuming, pretty expensive process. You know, I think there's, there's, we're probably talking about six, seven months now just to get a a Reg A plus done. Most of my clients aren't willing to wait that long. So then you look at the next option and you've got Reg D. Um, And and, and Reg D in the crowd sale purpose, we're really talking about growth. If I would succeed, basically lets you raise an unlimited amount of money, Uh, but you can only raise it from a credit investor. So that's limiting. And top of that, the tokens are then going to be restricted securities and can't be transferred for 12 months so the question is what strategy do you use when that's the case and the answer is the one that i didn't mention which is an <laughs> offshore offering under under reg s um, and and so you sell those securities uh, offshore um i won't get into the details because there's too many uh ifs then's uh around reg s but under certain circumstances, you could be selling a token that, that really isn't even subject to any transfer restrictions whatsoever. And, and really, all you need to worry about is complying with the other uh, country's laws. So it gives, you, it gives you a lot more flexibility.
1: Wow, it's, that's really interesting. I, I can imagine why you would need a celebrity lawyer to help you kind of navigate that. <laughs> to walk some through of all that. of that, right? Make sure that you've got your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Well, Mark, thank you so much for giving us some insight into this. And we are running a little low on time, so we're going to end our podcast. How can we connect with you if we have more questions like these?
2: Yeah, sure. You can uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn um, or directly by email at mboyron at rutan.com
0: right on right on do you have any additional resources for our blockchain enthusiasts out there
2: good question there is a podcast that one of the crowdfunding portals uh put out called dart engine so that so they have a it's more of a webinar than a podcast that's pretty good but other than that my view is, is there's just so much information online just soak up as much as you can and uh keep learning
0: well, thanks again, Mark. Well, hey, thanks for following up with us today, Blockchain Insight. This podcast is co-produced by Purdue Blockchain Lab and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash Blockchain Lab and leave a comment there. If you have any questions, this has been Coach Culberson. Have a great day.